Are you ready for the end of the world? Should you the end of the world? This is your community spirit. Show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring up the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, and circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore welcome to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your commu- community spirit. <laughs> My name is Peace and who do you have as our special guest today? Uh, can you hear us all? I heard that. Okay. Yeah, I think you didn't hear the intro, but I already did. Uh, 
end of the world. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how's, how's the week been going? It's been going good. Uh, it's, yeah. been, it's actually, we've had some warm weather here. It's probably not quite as warm as you, but we try. <laughs> well, I, I understand it was, it was like negative 5 Celsius last week, and then now it's what? Like, it just changed extremely quickly, huh? Yeah. So. All right. Do you really want to talk about oil again? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like we got to at least sometime. Uh, right. We got some good stuff coming up later, but we'll get to the, the nasty stuff first. <laughs> I really want to go straight to the, the one about where the Chevron explosion, they were offering a free pizza and a pop to anybody who was bothered by it. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was hilarious. So, so yeah, do you want to go to the events first or, or that? If you could read that, I'm going to walk, walk over to the other room. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, rents in North Dakota oil town are now higher than in New York City or San Francisco. We're sure that Wilston, North Dakota, used to be a lovely little town, perched as it is near the confluence of the Yellowstone and Missouri River. Or, yeah, rivers. But you wouldn't want to live there anymore because it's the epicenter of a fracking boom that's tapping the Bakken Shale formation for its incendiary crew. That means the streets are choked with trucks and the water and the air are polluted. Quote, I have to wash my dishes after taking off the cover. They're so coated in water. One ranch in the area, honored by a But here's what's really crazy. You probably couldn't afford to live there, even if for some strange reason you actually wanted to. An influx of oil workers has maxed out the supply of rental housing. The city's population has doubled from about 15,000 in 2010 to about 30,000 today, and that's caused the rent to skyrocket. So yeah, this, this is pretty crazy. 700 square foot, one bedroom, one bath apartment in Wilston is more than $2,000 a month. Yeah, I mean, that's if you could even get a place. I bet people are moving out of their houses just to run them out. Yeah. Most most of the apartment buildings now that build mudrooms where workers can remove their you know their dirty shoes and coats before they do it. Yeah. Now, I actually um, read a report about. Um, in this town about uh, sex trafficking because the ratio of men to women is about 12 to 1. Yeah. And so there's a lot of uh, sexual assault, STDs, and, you know, drug-related because, and, uh, what do you call it? Well, you know, basically people are rushing there to try to make money off of this temporary oil boom, right? Yeah. Yeah, and basically, if you're not from that town, all these people who aren't from that town come there and stay, you know, most of them might be fine, but there's always going to be that small percentage when you've got thousands of new people there. I can't imagine that. Living in a town, a nice little town of 15,000, and all of a sudden, wham, it jumbles in size and gets all filthy and dirty and, you know, drugs and sex trafficking and all that. That's intense. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, it's the, uh, the gifts of fracking. All right, I get to read mine, the one about surviving. Survive one Chevron fracking explosion. Get a pizza and a pop free. If a multi-billion dollar company started a frack pit fire in your backyard that burned uncontrollably for five days, killed one person, what would you consider fair compensation? A stable of miniature horses? An all-you-can-eat shrimp dinner served on a private jet? One large pizza and a two-liter beverage? Strike that last one. Maybe we're just getting too greedy. Or not. Chevron Appalachia deemed the last option appropriate gesture of goodwill for the residents of Green County, Pennsylvania, where a natural gas well exploded in the flames last week. In a letter to 100 residents, okay, come on, it's only 100 people and this is all they offered? Yeah. In a letter to 100 residents dated last Sunday, Proof that Chevron employees will work even on the Lord's Day to ensure that those wronged by their explosions will still eat a delicious, cheesy treat. The Chevron Community Outreach Team acknowledged the accident and enclosed the gift certificate redeemable at Bob Town Pizza for a special combo only. And to those Green County residents who perchance deserve mozzarella sticks, well, better luck next time. <laughs> I wonder if that's like, you know, they, they spied on me and knew how much I like pizza and they assumed all environmentally minded people would just go for pizza. That's kind of their way of, you know, well, one little trick. They might want to read the wording on there. I remember reading about um, the Exxon Valdez oil spill back in 1989, and what they did is the oil company descends on that little town that was inundated with all the oil, and hired every fisherman in town, and in their contract they hired them, they said they could not sue them for the oil spill. Yeah. So I wonder, if you go and redeem that, that pizza coupon, you can now not sue them. Yeah, I read some concern about that in the comments, that sometimes corporations will try things like that, like, oh, here's your remuneration, you know, we, we've compensated you for your trouble. Or they're just, you know, this little gesture of goodwill with the pizza makes it so people don't hate them so much. Yeah. And won't do them for, uh, you know, an oil pit that burned uncontrollably for five days. I mean, literally, isn't this the one where they wouldn't let the police in, they're like, oh, it's private property. We won't even let you in. And so the police just set up a perimeter around the outside of the property. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is that one, because the fire was burning for days, and so they just they just said, well, set up a perimeter. We're just going to let it burn out. We're not gonna, the firefighters don't want to put it out, because it's too intense. All right, so speaking of intense, let's go ahead and get into this next story. John Kerry says climate change is a weapon of mass destruction. About time. <laughs> yeah. Secretary of State John Kerry gave a speech in climate-vulnerable Indonesia on Sunday, during which he mocked climate deniers, 
and compared the threat of global warming to terrorism and poverty. Speech came the day after Kerry visited China, where he worked out details of a U.S.-China climate agreement struck last year. All right, here are some highlights. A quote or two from him. Think about this. Terrorism, epidemics, poverty, the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, all challenges that know no borders. The reality is that climate change ranks right up there with every single one of them. Now, I think it's good that he's saying something along these lines. I, I would go even a little bit further and say climate change can contribute to all of those things. So not only is it itself a problem on that level, but it can cause all the other ones, too. But yeah, a couple more quotes here. Signs of climate change is leaping out at us like a scene from a 3D movie. It's warning us, it's compelling us to act. Let there be no doubt in anyone's mind that the science is absolutely certain, something we understand with absolute assurance of the veracity of the science. Because how does that thing go? Something like this. Either you're with us or you're with the climate terrorists. <laughs> yeah. Judge strikes down a law allowing Exxon, or I've said Exxon, I'm stuck on Exxon, aren't I? Keystone XL to run for Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska, Associated Press. A Nebraska judge on Wednesday struck down a law that allowed the Keystone XL pipeline to proceed through the state. A victory for opponents who have tried to block the project that would carry oil from Canada's Texas refineries. Lancaster County Judge Stephanie Stacy issued a ruling that invalidated Nebraska Governor Dave Heinemann's approval of the route. The judge agreed with opponents arguing that the law passed in 2012 improperly allowed the governor to give Calgary-based TransCanada Corporation the power to force landowners to sell their property for the project. The judge said the decision gave TransCanada imminent domain powers which should have been made by the Nebraska Public Service Commission to regulate pipelines and utilities. That's interesting. So the governor basically just said, oh, here's this company. Let me give them imminent domain Yeah, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. Like, oh, go ahead, you know, condemn whoever's land you want and just take it for your pipeline. Just just have fun. Have a field day. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, basically, you never underestimate the power of family farmers and ranchers protecting their land and their water, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I just, I, I think that's interesting that they they could like just legally. I wonder how many um, places that they've had companies just declare eminent domain and just run through people's properties. It's pretty common. Yeah. Right. So the decision now is at a standstill in the state, and therefore the decision on a federal permit. Still rests with President Barack Obama. So, a spokesman for the Nebraska Attorney General said the state will appeal the ruling, um, but 
looks like it's now no longer in the state's hands. It's up to, you know, the federal. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like uh, there was a quote here, uh, Daniel J. Weiss, the senior fellow and director of climate strategy think tank, Center for American Progress, he, he said that he thinks that Obama and John Kerry will probably wait until this Nebraska issue is legally resolved, until, you know, it's either approved or not approved in Nebraska. So that means even though this is a state decision, it's probably going to hold up the plan federally until they figure it out in Nebraska. And, I mean, it is a big issue. I mean, on the federal level, there's been mass protests in front of the White House about this for ages. I think at least four years, it seemed like the first protest in front of the White House against the Keystone XL pipeline was in, like, 2010. Yeah, something like that. It's been years. And I, you know, I participated in the climate march last year and that was about 40,000 people. And, uh, so they, they're doing something like that annually, but then there's people keeping the fire on in between now and then. That's what our next story is. Youth announced mass sit-in at the White House to protect, to protest Keystone XL. Hundreds of students and young people are expected to risk arrest in an act of civil disobedience at the White House this March 2nd to pressure President Obama to reject the Keystone XL tar sands pipeline. Sitting at the White House will be the largest act of civil disobedience by young people in the recent history of the environmental movement. The protest, known as XL Dissent, is meant to send a clear signal to President Obama that the base that helped elect him sees Keystone XL as a decision that will define his entire legacy. So, yeah, here's a quote from one of the Organizers, Obama was the first president I voted for, and I want real climate action and a rejection of Keystone XL, said Nick Straco, a senior at Tulane University. People that voted him into the office have made it abundantly clear what we want, and that's to reject Keystone XL. Yeah, and this really has been, an, I, they mentioned it here, this really has been an iconic fight for young people across the country. I mean, there are a lot of projects going on, a lot of destructive ecological projects, but a lot of young people have made Keystone XL a focal point because it defines so many problems with our response to climate and to people's rights on the land and all of that, too. Yeah, I mean, recently they did, um, you know, a protest, and it was in, like, 500 towns, little separate actions against this. Um, and, I mean, for universities, it's actually part of the broader um, fossil fuel divestment campaign, you know, where there's campaigns in over 300 universities across the U.S. Um, telling universities to quit putting their money in stocks that have to do with fossil fuels. Yeah. Yeah, I just went to an event about that last night. It was the, the uh, SENS, the environmental group on campus. They did a, a video showing of a divestment uh, video about campuses organizing to pursue divestment from fossil fuels. And they're still going. You know, some of them have been successful, some have been turned down, but even the ones that have been turned down for divestment are still struggling to achieve it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they've started a hashtag bold action. They're encouraging people to do hashtag bold action to describe the bold action they will take for the climate and for fossil fuel divestment. So you just start randomly posting that and everything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you could, you could be like, you know, I'm going to go for a walk today instead of taking a car. Bold action. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think they're aiming for more like, you know, political actions than that, but, you know, I, you could probably throw in a few things like that, too. <laughs> it's like, today I turned not down my thermostat one degree. <laughs> Bold action. <laughs> well, if it's, if it's, you know, zero degrees out, maybe that is a bold action. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? For every one degree you turn your thermostat back, for eight hours, it takes three percent on your bill. So it does add up. Yeah. So, but you know, it's eight hours a day. But I mean, you could do four hours. Well, I mean, you can turn it back while you're sleeping. It doesn't have to be as warm or as cold, you know. Yeah. So that's why programmable thermostats can really help. So holidays, can you believe that, what is it, only, I think it's only 28 days till spring. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds about right. That. But, you know, that's by the white man's calendar. <laughs> nature nature doesn't really follow the calendar, so I hate to, you know, break it to you. So today is the 21st of February, which is President Day in the U.S., it's the UN International Mother Language Day. So. Yeah, now let's not talk about the language your mother uses. It's like the native, like native tongue, mother language. Your mother tongue. <laughs> yeah, and that's not the tongue last your mother gives you, right? <laughs> no. Oh. All right, we have a single tasking day coming up on Saturday. And we're very familiar with multitasking, doing a bunch of things at once. But on Saturday, it's single tasking. Pick one thing and do it well. Well, it's Saturday is also spay day, so maybe that's your single task for the day. Yeah. Get spayed. I mean, spay something. Pick <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, oh, I remember this one. On Sunday, it's inconvenience yourself day. The idea of this one is to do something for yourself that's inconvenient to you but helpful to others. Like, go out of your way to help someone, basically. Oh, okay. So you just don't do something that annoys you. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of, a lot of times it's easy to do something that's, that's really fun and also helps other people. You know, that's the easiest type of good deed to do. But sometimes there are those kind of annoying things that someone really needs help with. You can inconvenience yourself for a day. Monday is Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day. It's also National Chili Day and National Personal Chef Day. So, basically, I need a personal chef to come and make me chili. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. And I, I suppose if you could engineer a fancy chili-making machine, that would tie it all together, huh? Yeah. All right, coming up on Tuesday, it's George Harrison's birthday. I'll, I'll try to remember next week to bring in uh, some George Harrison to play. 
We don't usually play much music on here, but sometimes we do a song at the beginning. Wednesday is Four Peaks Fake Day. Well, if you are an old-time swearer, <laughs> it's also International Sword Swallower's Day. So you can watch someone swallow a sword and just keep saying, oh, for Pete's sake. That's a good plan. It's also the anniversary of the Grand Canyon National Park and birthday of Johnny Cash, the singer. So uh, there's so much music I could play next week. I don't have a music show, though. What is this one? It says the, the Academy Awards. What is that? Uh, I've heard of the Academy Awards. I don't know what that's all about. Apparently that made it on our calendar of... Uh, Event. Hmm. Now, I am very excited about the Big Muddy Film Festival because this year I actually got to be, before I left, it was like right before I left town, I got to be a judge for the John Michaels Award. And that's the John Michaels Memorial Film Award um, honors films that address themes of peace, justice, community action, human rights, and environmental conservation. So that's one of the um, you know, film, the film awards. That's actually going to be Sunday, 9.30 to uh, a.m. to 12.15 p.m. at the Student Center Auditorium. But, um, the Big Money Film Festival is in progress right now. Um, BigMoneyFilm.com. The Big Money Film Festival is one of the best respected, wholly independent, community-focused film festivals. It's actually the 36th year, and it's the oldest student-organized film festival in the United States. Yeah, that's older than me. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it actually provides cash awards in the best work in competitions in categories of experimental, documentary, narrative, and animation. Now, the complete program is juried by three artists or critics of national or international recognition. But, you know, the John Michael Memorial Film Award is just a section of that, and they pick a panel of local activists, and so... Um, yeah. Um, then there's also any film you go to, you can vote on as the Audience Choice Award. And at the end of the whole film festival, they have an evening of all the Audience Choice Awards. And every year I 100% made sure I could make it to that so I could see, you know, all the best of the best kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, those seem like two, two of the most exciting ones that are like the... The John Michaels Award, but it's the, you know, the sort of activist-related ones. And then the audience choice to see what the audience likes the best. Yeah. So, again, that's been going on for a few days already. We just have a couple more days, uh, today, tomorrow, and Sunday, to see all of them. BigMoneyFilm.com and get a chance to see some of the films because there's tons of them. I forget how many entries. No. Yeah, there are a lot, and it's always amazing to check them out. 
All right, let's see. We've got time for a couple more of our regular happenings. The open mic night coming up tonight at 7 p.m. at Guy House in the Faith Center. Express yourself in a comfortable, coffeehouse-style environment. Everyone's invited. Poets, musicians, storytellers, dancers, and more. I, I go there sometimes. I don't make it every time, but when I do, it's usually a good time. It's always fun to see what people have to share. There. It's 913 South Illinois. Two great weekly events on Saturday. The Carbondale Community Farmer's Market. Saturday is 9 until noon at the Carbondale Community High School. And then from noon until 1, the weekly vigil for peace and justice. And that's at the Town Square corner of Illinois in Maine. Yeah, so on Saturdays you can satisfy your hunger for food and your hunger for justice. <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, we do have another film to mention, too, from me. This is actually part of the Big Muddy Film Fest. It's uh, Beneath the Blindfold. It's, it's part of, they're partnering with the 2014 Margie Parker Teaching for Peace. And uh, this year's Teaching for Peace is going to be this film, Beneath the Blindfold. Uh, it's going to start by a discussion with the uh, the documentary creator. It's happening on Saturday at 3 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. We're going to discuss the film with her beforehand. And then uh, at 5 p.m., they're going to show the film. And Beneath the Blindfold is a documentary that follows four individuals as they overcome the lasting effects of torture. Question and answer session with the filmmaker will follow the screening. And this is also part of the Big Money Film Festival. 